0: Welcome, I'm Ian Gillies, and welcome to the Hamilton Wealth Management Podcast 21 for December 2018 on the year that was. For our year in review, I'm joined by Will Hamilton, who will review the past year for markets, equities, and alternative investments, John Green, who will discuss currency and fixed interest, and Kane Baranau, who will discuss REITs. Firstly, to you, Will, would you provide an overview of the year past, market conditions to date, and our positioning?
1: Sure, thanks, Ian. We published this December 18 review, uh, the year that was every year, because we need to hold ourselves to account on our views. Um, it's a time to reflect uh, on the year that's been. Every January, like we did this year with Investor Insight 56, we publish the year ahead. One of the things we said was that, uh, and we have a theme for each year, that 2018 would be about the year about not becoming complacent to risk. We believe we've been correct on that call with technical corrections occurring in both February and October of this year. So we've had geopolitical risks really dominate in the last quarter. US-China trade wars, US midterm elections, declining oil prices, Brexit in Australia, yet another change of Prime Minister. They're all significant, but they do pale into um, a degree of um, uh, insignificance with the unpredictably, unpredictability sorry, of the US administration with respect to both its domestic and foreign policy. We've repeatedly stated that we believe interest rates also um, to be the most important determinant towards asset class movements. And we believe this has been the case in 2018 and will continue to be so as we go into 2019. But I think the one thing is it's not just simply about interest rates selling off or increasing, it's about liquidity in these markets, that is the fixed interest markets, which we do believe is a significant issue and probably hasn't been fully understood and we'll talk about that further in our January Insight. We did commence this year, 2018, with monetary policy having reached its limit. We often referred to this period as the Goldilocks scenario, synchronised global growth combined with low inflation. Investors have enjoyed the most balanced upturn since the GFC, which was 2009-2010, with worldwide economic output running above long-term trend for 17 uh, consecutive quarters, according to Citibank. The International Monetary Fund has also projected global GDP growth to remain steady at 3.7% for 2018, um, it was 3.7% in 2017, and NAB projects 3% GDP growth for Australia in 2018, against 2.4% last year in 2017. So, in writing our outlook for 2018, we did bias towards equities, as we believe this was still the best, the least overvalued asset class. And whilst equities have retraced back to fair value on a long-term measures post October-November sell-off they do remain cheap relative to mainstream fixed income. So we had a slight overweight to risk-based assets as we ended 2018, but by early February, we'd adjusted these settings to neutral. We saw volatility return. Um, and given volatility we've seen recently in markets, it's tempting to discuss these, but we'll consider the, and then the implications. However, we will look f- uh, forward to writing this uh, next month in Investor Insight number 70. Thanks, Will. Uh, John, would you like to comment on the currency?
2: Sure. Um, As usual, we weren't prepared to forecast a level for the Aussie, but we were prepared to provide a direction. We forecast moderate weakness in the A dollar during 2018, but despite this call, we did see some risks on the upside, uh, hence our hedging position that we've had in place all year for international equities. And we believe our call to hedge international equities 50-50 has been correct. The Australian dollar was continuously called lower during 2018, having commenced the year at 78 cents. It peaked at a little over 81 at the end of January, and then it has indeed trended lower for most of the year. The expected widening of the interest rate differential between Australia and the US has contributed to this move, but a stronger US dollar has also contributed as the US economy continued to power along and also as geopolitical issues drove investors towards the US dollar as a safe haven. Those who were predicting a sharper fall in the A-dollar were, however, disappointed. As at the close of November, the Aussie dollar was at just over 73 cents against the US dollar, which is a movement of only 5 cents or 6.95% since the beginning of the calendar year. Thanks, John.
1: Um, Will, how did you see equities during the year? Yeah, look, there's still a month to run, naturally, um, and we can look at a tro- rolling 12-month performance figures at the end of November, but what we've actually got on the table there is since the 1st of January. Um, as I mentioned, we came in uh, neutral towards Australian equities at the beginning of the year. We were positive or overweight developed market market equities, which was changed in February to a neutral position. Australian equities actually were the star performer for the first six months uh, of the year. Um, it was actually a the halfway mark, one of the only developed markets to show a positive return at the halfway mark. But actually, it's interesting to see uh, they've probably been one of the most disappointing markets uh, as at the end of 11 months um, for the year. If you look on the table in our insight, so to be neutral equity markets has been the correct call given the volatility markets experienced during 2018. Some could argue we could have even been negative or underweight. But global growth and company earnings have continued to be strong. They're surprised on the upside. And they were not projected to turn until late in the first half of 2020. So this earnings strength, the economic growth that's going to continue to support equity markets into 2019, um, it's it's there and we don't believe that we will probably be moving to a negative or underweight position until early 2020. Emerging market equities is where we adjusted our position twice during the year which is quite rare um, and uh, probably the area where the most debate exists in equity markets. So we commenced 2018 with a positive or overweight position. We cut this back to neutral in February, but in the middle of the year, we went positive or overweight after the very heavy sell-off you saw these markets experience, and that was led by China and Latin America. We believe that our position towards this part of the world is accurate over the medium term, given that 70% of global growth will come from emerging markets over the next decade. So a conservative allocation of risk-based assets exposed to the right managers in EM or emerging markets we believe is going to produce strong results. Um, one area we're becoming more cautious though um, is uh, as we the, the cycle matures, um, so domestic and global smalls and mid-cap equities. So that's based on the late stage of the current cycle, the greater volatility that these companies can experience, especially in times of market volatility. So that's just the one area we're probably going to be reducing exposure, uh, I would say, in the first half of 2019. Thanks, Will. Um, John,
0: what tactics did we take with fixed, interim, fixed income during the year?
2: Yeah, look, it's, it's a long time since we've been positive on fixed income, and this year was no exception. We started the year with a negative or underweight position on domestic fixed income, negative or underweight on international fixed income, Neutral on investment grade credit and positive or overweight on cash equivalents. And we believe our position towards this asset class has been correct and there were no changes at all in asset allocation towards this sector during the year. Um, The US Federal Reserve stuck to its path of gradual Fed funds interest rate increases and this inevitably fed through to a rise in long-term bond yields. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield rising from 2.4% at the start of the year to a high of 3.24% in early November, and it's closed November just under 3% at 2.99%. In Australia, it was a much more subdued year for bond yields. The 10-year Treasury uh, began and ended the year virtually dead on 2.6%, although there was a brief spike up in yield to 2.9% during February and May. Um, A stagnant RBA cash rate and an economy which is growing but only moderately and with little sign of wages inflation pressure ensured a pretty quiet year for the local bond market. Thanks, John. Uh, Kane,
0: would you run us through how REITs went during the year, please?
3: Sure, Ian. So we commenced the year with a neutral position. However, after seeing this sector sell off uh, as a result of higher global interest rates, we adjusted our position to slightly positive or overweight um, from the middle of this year. Uh, over the year, valuations reduced from a 15 to 20% premium to NAV towards the beginning of the year to a 10% premium today. And during this period, uh, a divergence in performance across both subsector and region occurred, with East Coast office and industrial REITs continuing to outperform. Cap rates remain tight across most subsectors, although relative value has appeared within retail. Uh, also during the year we changed how we expose clients to A rates so now a strategic sorry a neutral strategic asset allocation position will be maintained using illiquid high yielding assets and we'll uh, continue to adjust tactical calls using A rates.
0: Thanks Kane. Um, we'll back to you. Uh, would you tell us how the year developed for the alternatives and summarize for us please?
1: Sure, thanks. Look, client exposure towards alternatives as has been the case for quite a number of years now, is that close to a full allocation. We, though, categorise alternatives very conservatively, as we've discussed over the last few years. Uh, Basically, if it does not um, fit into the traditional asset classes, we classify something as an alternative. Investors are looking at relative returns in an environment of lower growth and with increased volatility. So we've looked to maximise allocations we're appropriate and long-short funds uh, for both equities and fixed income. We've kept away from multi-strategy funds or block-box strategies. Again, that's been the same case for quite a number of years. And we're continuing with our long-held view that if we can't explain a strategy clearly and concisely to clients, then we won't invest in it. Um, one thing that we have done in 2018, though, is we've ensured clients, where it's appropriate, have exposure to high-quality illiquid infrastructure assets, which we classify also as alternative assets. I just want to just summarise things uh, as we go into the end of the year. So our thematic call of not becoming complacent to risk has been accurate uh, for 2018. It's been a very difficult year for investor investment investor returns. Volatility and downside corrections unfortunately dominated, especially as we look to close out 2018. Our asset allocation business positioning has been accurate and our balanced and diversified client portfolios have continued to provide excellent risk-adjusted returns, especially relative to benchmarks. No one can predict the future at Hamilton Wealth Management. We will continue to provide investment management advice based on a core disciplined and proven philosophy with a strong analytical methodology behind it, followed by process. Last and certainly not least, we'd like to thank everyone who's listening to this for all your support throughout 2018 and wish all our readers the compliments of the season and success in your investment strategies in the year ahead. It, it has been our pleasure and we do think it's a privilege to be able to communicate so openly with our valued clients and partners and we look forward to working closely with everyone in 2019. Thanks, Will. Um, thank you to John and Kane also for today's podcast. As always,
0: if you have any questions or would like a copy of our insight, please call us on 03 9275 I'm Ian Gillies, and thank you for listening.